Ari, I want to start off today with uh, some exciting news. I, I really, I have completed Atheism Destroys. I had to hold off for another two months or so because I wanted to update or deal with the fact that all this uh, suppression of free speech in our um, in our country these days, um, it's, it's really quite awful what's happening. Are you, shouldn't you wait and do another edit in like three weeks after they uh, ban the Bible? Wouldn't that be? Oh yeah, that's or exactly your point. The next volume of the atheism fill in the blank books <laughs> to just do an entire volume on how the banning of popular music in the 80s, Dr. Seuss, and now the Bible all connected to each other. Well, I'm, I'm with you on this, but what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is, is something else. It, because I already had a, a chapter on how it was godlessness eviscerates free speech. We talked a little bit about this uh, quite a few weeks ago, basically to the point that uh, if you don't have God as the cornerstone of civilization, there is no real need for free speech, nor real free speech anyway. Uh, how can I say such a thing, you ask? Uh, go ahead and ask that question. Uh, do I have to ask it? Because to me, it's obvious. But no, no. why Barack, expert on this, is without God, there are no free speech. There you go. All right. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, Ari. Uh, tell the, me, Barack. <laughs> as I look tell, deep into your eyes, tell me your wisdom. Share with me. Share with all of us. Will you teach us to make love, Homer J? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> that's that's from The Simpsons. I know. Any, anyway, so atheism destroys. Uh, we we have a whole chapter about how godlessness uh, kills free speech, and I explain this. So the notion that free speech is something that we treasure, right? We we think about that uh, in America. It is so sacrosanct. But the question is, why is it sacrosanct? Why is it so sacred? I mean, we all, even the atheist has this, this sense that the First Amendment is, is holy without saying the word holy. It's, it's, you know, head and heels or whatever, head, head over heels about, uh, head, head and shoulders above uh, other rights that we other, otherwise think about. Even the, let's say, the right to vote, uh, the right to start your own business and such like that. Those are... We, we understand those to be rights, the, the right to be left alone, things like that. But free speech seems to be even more holy. And it's not that way in other countries. That was our point from a, a few podcasts ago. And the question was why, right? I mean, you go to Australia, they don't have the sense, uh, they have free speech, but it's not like it is here. There's something sacrosanct here. And the reason why, as I argue in Atheism Destroys, is that free speech is a God-given right. We understand that, at least, as a God-given right, and we say so in our Constitution. Nowhere else in any free country, even any democracy, is there a sense that your free speech rights emanate from God. It only emanates from your government. So if the government gives you free speech, well, then the government can take it away, or at the very least, it can limit it. It could say, well, here's, here are the parameters of your free speech. Just like you have the right to drive, but it's more of a privilege, right? Uh, and you can do so. You can drive anywhere you want. Uh, you can go at any time that you want. But here are the rules, right? Drive on the right side. 
Drive on roads. Yeah, drive on the roads, that's right. Uh, speed limit, of course. The, if you stop at a, at a red light, um, you know. Don't, you, don't you, hit people and keep going. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, observe, observe the crosswalk. There's so many rules associated with it. But it's, so, so long as you do that, we're jiggy with that. That's the way they view free speech in a lot of the democracies. Yes, you can say a lot of things. You can say everything unless we disagree with you. Unless we don't like it. Unless we don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or we determine that it is uh, too agitating or might lead to unrest uh, or might uh, interfere with people's you know, day-to-day lives. Or problematic, right? yeah. that word. Yeah, Yeah, it's problematic. So, so that's the, the notion of it. Now, why am I getting to all this about atheism destroys? It's not really to talk about free speech. I, I, I make this argument in my book, but then, you know, it's, it's one of those things I can't keep up with all the news. Uh, you know, I was pretty much done with the book uh, as of late December, even before the election. But then the election happened, of course. And then they started talking about you shall not question the election, right? Uh, it, lest it be considered an insurrection to do so. Uh, you shall not um, question anything regarding Joe Biden's validity as the president. Or his uh, mental health, or his mental acuity, or whether vaccines are safe, or they work, or whether masks are a good idea. Yeah. You shall not question. Yeah. And, and the, so, there is right. a lot to that. that yeah. There is a lot to that. But my point is, especially with regard to the election, uh, you saw a lot of people censoring and self-censoring when it came to uh, any any talk about the um, about the election? Then, of course, there was the riot at the Capitol, uh, and they wanted to kind of control that narrative. So, what better way to do that than to tell people they can't talk about it and they can't talk about uh, the the reason for the uh, the unrest and so on? So, even raising the issue of a question regarding the election was construed as uh, something that might you know cause agitation and insurrection. Therefore, you can't say it. It's, it's the equivalent of hate speech all of a sudden. That dog don't hunt with me, and it doesn't hunt with virtually all of the country, even among many reasonable Democrats. Uh, there is still such a thing. So I added that in into uh, Atheism Destroys, and we are done, done, done with that particular subchapter. And I'm excited about it, Ari. I, I really have to tell you. It's, uh, and, and by the way, you and uh, your lovely wife have uh, really contributed nicely to the, to the cause. I appreciate it so much. Um, so look out for that. It's going to be uh, out probably in, I would say, May or so of 2021. And I'm really excited about this. Uh, we're going to have a lot of attention to this, a lot of buzz. PragerU is going to be pumping it. Um, I'm just, I'm thrilled. Are you I'm just thrilled. doing videos with PragerU on it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I will talk to them. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll agree to that. Um, Usually they're, they're more uh, interested in kind of issues of the day as opposed to kind of global issues, although they do cover global issues. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, they, they certainly promote it on their Facebook page, uh, which is really a, an amazing honor, and I so appreciate that. Uh, so, and, and I'll likely be on Dennis Prager's show to talk about the book as well. So that might be, that's more than sufficient for me. And I'll be talking about our Newsmax. Uh, you know, look, the whole theme, you, you know me, and this is where I want to get to today. Um, it is fascinating, you know, Ari and I uh, developed the YouTube channel that we have, which is the Atheism Kills YouTube channel. And in that YouTube channel, and I highly commend you to check it out, we have, what, three to four minutes uh, at, a, at a time? 
where we talk about different aspects of the dangers of godlessness and how God gives us the things that we see that we value so much, but we don't realize that it's God that gives us that value. For example, beauty, right? There is no evolutionary need for our sense of beauty. None, right? Animals don't have a sense of beauty, at least not the way we do. Then there's music, then there's humor, then there's a sense of purpose. You could say, okay, animals have a sense of purpose, but not, no, it's all instinctive. It's all like you shall go from north to south or south to north, depending on the, the year to mate and such. That's not a purpose. That's just an instinct. That's a programming that you have inside. That's not free will. Purpose is very different. The notion that we try to make our society better, whatever that might mean. Uh, that you don't have any, for example, tiger that sits around saying, how can I improve the lot of tigers uh, in my community? It, it, nothing, nothing of the sort, right? It, it, it's silly, even the idea. Likewise, uh, you don't think of, uh, you know, dogs, you know, laughing it up and, uh, hey, let's, let's relax and uh, tell quite a few jokes around the campfire. Um, to kind of take it easy. about them cats. Right? <laughs> exactly right. What could be funnier but than that? No, of course not. It's, it's not evolutionarily necessary to be funny, right? But somehow, things that we take for granted, humor, beauty, purpose, well, in our case, music. in humans, it is. It, it, it is necessary. I mean, women, women will always tell you, well-endowed, good, rich, better, <laughs> funny, that wins. Yeah, right? funny, funny is very important. Seriously. Good point, yeah. No, no animal, uh, you know, a leopard or an elephant or whatever. It's by making the feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I... I met another guy with a tusk the other day. Woo, let me tell you. Oh, baby, <laughs> give it to me. No, that never happens. Nothing, nothing ever happens like that. So that's the point. And so humor is, is unnecessary from an evolutionary point of view. Uh, beauty, music, uh, purpose, storytelling. This is one of the things that you pointed out so long ago. I thought it was a really great epiphany, Ari, that we humans are unique in the sense that we love stories, Right. That's, I mean, the fiction world is, is full of great stories. Every movie that we see, virtually every movie that we see, there are some documentaries, of course, but most of them that we see, we go out in the theaters, we're, we, want to, we want to be told the story. And it, the story has to resonate with us one way or the other. It could be uh, true to life. It could be a drama. It could be fantasy. But whatever it is, it's a story. And we love stories. And it's not as if you, you talk to somebody and say, hey, what kind of, uh, what kind of stories do you like? And no one ever says, you know, I'm not really a story sort of guy. I, I'm, thanks, but no, I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, said no one, right? I mean, they, they don't say that because it's automatic that we like stories. Same thing with music, right? If you go on a date with somebody, you don't know anything about them, and you say, yeah, so what kind of music do you like? You, you assume an answer is going to be coming. It might be jazz, it might be blues, it might be rap. But something, but but very rarely does someone says I I don't like music, it, it bothers me, <laughs> right? Well, I have to say the other day Cardi B gave all of us a, a certain justification for that. Answer. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> so yeah. it's understandable if you do, but generally um, you and, and the reason you do ask the the question uh, similar 
to other questions in those circumstances is to find a Venn diagram overlays, i.e. things in common. Does she or he like music like I like? Or does she like Bolivian polka music? Yeah. Which would mean, well, that's... Great point. I'm glad you like that, but that's a bit nichey. I, I, you know, but it's something. Things we'll it's do something. together. Listening to music will not be one of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, everyone has different kinds of humor, different kinds of uh, musical taste, different kinds of interests and stories. Uh, you know, for example, I'm not interested in... Uh, Hello. I'm not interested in The Hobbit. I'm not interested in uh, Harry Potter. I'm not interested in uh, fantasy Stories, but at the same time, I, I appreciate the fact that others do. That's the way it works. So, uh, we, but we all love stories of some kind or the other. Okay, so I want to talk about a different aspect that's happening in our society, Ari. Um, it's about a culture, not of fear necessarily, but of trepidation, a culture of walking on eggshells. All right, so what do I mean by trepidation? A culture of, of trepidation, Ari. It's, it's, we are at a point now where we literally are walking on eggshells about so many of the things we do. So just to give an example, uh, the obvious example is what we saw with the, uh, the riot on January 6th and any commentary about that, and for that matter, any suggestion that Biden <clears throat> did not win the November 2020 election fairly and squarely. And if you say such a thing, well, then you might be fired from your job, or you might be sued for defamation, or the government might decide to arrest you because you're insurrecting, or you're, you're encouraging insurrection somehow. So that is, uh, that's cause for trepidation. Putting aside the fact that it's a complete violation of free speech, you cannot say that just because something feels like hate speech to you, that that is a sufficient cause to, um, uh, to ban the speech. It doesn't work that way. There is no such thing as hate speech except in the minds of liberals who want to somehow prohibit it. You can't do it. You just can't. Um, even a hate crime... Uh, as much as I detest anyone uh, hurting anyone because of their race or their religion or their creed or their nationality or political beliefs for that matter, uh, you know, that's contemptible. But to add an extra dimension to it, um, it really puts a chill on free speech. So if somebody commits violence upon you, uh, regardless, and I say this as a Jew, and if they do it for an anti-Semitic reason, yeah, you fight anti-Semitism. You show this as an example of anti-Semitism, but it's the violence that, that's criminal, not the specific anti-Semitism. Now, um, putting that aside, I'm talking about trepidation, this notion of walking in eggshells. They've got us all walking in eggshells at this point. Um, you, you can't live this life. You can't. Uh, Think about also the Me Too thing, right? Remember this? It was very big in, the, uh, in, in 2017, and everyone went to town. Everyone d went downtown to prison for uh, all these alleged crimes, and some of them were serious crimes. Harvey Weinstein in particular, of course, and there were many others. And, and his crime really was just he was trying to give <clears throat> some nice women some Oscar awards. That was really it. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. But, but the point is that there was some really bad stuff that, that came down, and he, he went to prison. But it created an environment where everyone had to look at everything. And, and, and it got to the point where if a man 
started, was interested in a woman and said, hey, listen, uh, you, you know, you're really cute. Uh, I would love to see if we can go out for dinner uh, this Saturday night. Uh, are you available? Uh, and and that, that itself, if the woman didn't like you or wasn't interested and she decides she felt uncomfortable, well, all of a sudden she would raise it and you know, it would make you feel like a horrific, horrible human being simply because you asked a woman on a date. Um, that that creates a culture of trepidation. But that culture, you understand, uh, bled into so many other areas as well. So it's not just the women thing. It's the same thing with free speech, like I said. Uh, anything regarding your, your support of Trump, or in particular, uh, anything uh, regarding the support of conservatism now, they're trying to marginalize that as though all of conservatism is now hate speech that should be limited or, or for that matter, completely forbidden. Same thing with COVID, right? There's only one way to look at COVID. And if you suggest, for example, that hydroxychloroquine might be a good solution to a, the, the problem of, um, of, of uh, COVID, well, then you'll be laughed at at best and you'll be marginalized or fired as a doctor at worst. That's, that's, that dog should not hunt. It doesn't hunt for me and not for you. You, you should be able to, to propose different solutions to a problem without worrying that you'll be destroyed in the process. You'll be canceled in the process. But that's where we are. So many doctors that have promoted HCQ or have otherwise uh, talked about sil- uh, you know, much simpler remedies for COVID have been marginalized to the point of utter destruction. It ain't cool. Now, likewise, it's, it's the same thing. It's tr- this trepidation culture, the walking on eggshells culture, where you decide, let, let's say you see something that you like and you promote it um, on Parler or you uh, retweet it on Twitter and you get the idea. Uh, and then they will point that out. Well, you retweeted a, a tweet that from a despicable human being and therefore uh, you are despicable. You see how it works? You can't win. So it makes you have to wonder whether you want to quote anybody. Uh, and you may think, well, because, you know, you don't know what he might do in the future, this guy that you're quoting, and therefore you might be aligning yourself with a racist, uh, a bigot of some kind, a homophobe of, of some kind, whatever. So you figure, well, I'll just quote somebody who's already dead, like Abraham Lincoln, right? Oh. <laughs> Big mistake. Do that. Big assumption there. Because you don't know what they'll find out about Abraham Lincoln, and then you quoted him. Yeah, you you made this association. Yeah, you know Abraham Lincoln never recycled. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He did. Yeah. He you did. know what else he did? Mm. He ate carrots. <laughs> All right. Even if you talk about a subject that is a subject of discussion, right, it can be used against you. Example, Megan Kelly. Remember what happened with her? She there were, The issue of the day was about... Uh, people donning blackface in order to uh, portray a black person. Okay, so in, she, in Halloween settings, right, right. And was that right? Yeah. Was Costume that wrong? Costume-based blackface was the issue yeah. at the time. So, so she talked about it in one of her uh, shows, and just talking about it got her fired. That was weird, right? And and. Before she got fired, she went on the air and she said, that was wrong of me. I am, uh, you know, unqualifiedly apologetic. 
uh, I'm so sorry about this, right? Of course, that doesn't matter. You apologize. You get yeah, fired. Yeah, that's anyway. what got her fired even faster. Yeah. And, and in fact, the same thing, you'll probably bring up this example. A journalist who had been with the New York Times for 40 years said a certain word that's ended with the letters E and R. Mm-hmm. While trying to discern whether or not a word that ends with the letters E and R was used in a context while being told that the word that ends E and R was used once. Right. And he was fired for asking, is that the word you meant? Right. Yeah, yeah. So. You're no longer, as a liberal, so allowed to find out what word was used in order to express legitimate liberal outrage about a word. Well, there you go. That's exactly what we're talking about. It's, it, it, so you're constantly checking yourself. You're self-censoring, right? It's, right. it's awful. And you, you shouldn't be in this position. So let's say I said, uh, you, know, you know, one of the, my favorite books is Huckleberry Finn, right? From a classics point of view, Tom Sawyer as well, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, all these classics, but they have references to people saying the N-word uh, and other racial epithets, but for the purpose of showing how awful racism is, right? Yeah, because to, there are characters in those books who are <laughs> racist, real yes. racist. I like that. I like your drum roll. Um, it was on the on the knees. We don't have real drums here on the Brock Larry podcast. Just why you know. So we do what we have to do to simulate said drum rolls. Anyway, uh, that is what happened. Uh, and, and so if you say that, you know, Huckleberry Finn, what a great book. It's such a, such a great testament to great American literature. Oh, no, 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 you are done for. <laughs> That's it. Enough for censoring for you because you like Huckleberry Finn and you know they have the N-word there and you therefore must support the N-word. Is that the idea? So anyway, you get the idea. You, you, it's cause for trepidation. So you wonder anytime you discuss any issue, you may be canceled, and you have to be very careful. So, and that applies to whether you talk about gay marriage, it talks about anything about transgenderism, talk about um, women's rights, uh, talk about the uh, the 2020 election, of course, uh, immigration. Matter rights, oh yeah, Black Lives Matter. And by the way, at one point, you know, this is probably your next point, but what the hell? I'll try it. Mm-hmm. I think you can now be canceled, even for showing trepidation about going into a subject that we all need to talk about. Yes. The trepidation about the subject is now a cancel criteria. Yeah. In other words, you know that subject that I was going to talk about? And yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm worried about talking about that subject that you know. You know what I'm talking oh about. Oh, my God. He's a racist. Can't <laughs> yeah. Do you see how it works, folks? Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, so <laughs> another area of trepidation is uh, law enforcement. Think about that. Right, a, a white police officer in particular will not arrest anyone ever anymore right. for fear that why, for fear. Yeah, why right. would he? Right, I mean, God forbid he actually kills some a minority, particularly a black uh, you know person. I'm just here eating donuts. That wasn't me. You know. Right, right. So, so, he, so he's he's very concerned about that. Or even if there's just a, conf- a confrontation. Uh, you know, he has to arrest him, get into the car, come on, get in, uh, sir, I'm arresting you. And he has to be so polite and he to make sure everything is videoed. No matter what, no matter how perfectly he does it, he still goes into the confrontation with great trepidation. And that is true not just for white cops, but it's even for black cops, any minority cops. I mean, look what happened. Any cop. 
Look what happened in the Freddie Gray situation in Baltimore. Virtually everyone involved uh, was black or a minority of some kind. And, and nevertheless, uh, and, and the whole, I mean, the whole system, including the mayor, I mean, everyone was, was black. And, uh, and, still it was and they're still racist. They killed Freddie. Yeah, yeah. So, so talk about trepidation. You, you cannot win. And so, look, what happens is you get so overly cautious that you get to a point of social paralysis just, and social collapse, ultimately. And that is dangerous. We simply can't live this way. We cannot have a civilization that way. It's a cancel culture that is looking for opportunities to cancel anybody simply because of who they are, what they say, what they stand for, uh, anything that they just <clears throat> want to get rid of, uh, that you don't promote something actively enough. Yeah. So look what happened to like <clears throat> Jerry Seinfeld, for example. Uh, you know, he, he said, nope, not going to do any more comedy. We spoke before about like college how... College campuses. Yeah, call it, well, but even, even beyond that, he's, he has to be very careful now. Uh, what's the woman, um, Silver, I think her name? That, Sarah Silverman? Yeah, is that, is, that the, is that her name? Yeah, the one who just left the Democrat Party. Yeah, okay, so that's the one. Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah, she okay. has a history of doing a jokes about racism by using terrible language. Right. That was her whole shtick, right? Right. Yeah, and, and so now, now she's going to be a target because well, of that. she's been a target for many years, and I'm happy to say, and this is to her major credit, that she has left the Democrat Party over this. I, she has done today what comedians should have been doing for the last 10 years. And I, I'm not going to criticize someone for better late than ever. Uh, in this case, better late than ever. At least she did. Well, not only that, but uh, with great respect to her, she decided to do a, um, a movie or a documentary of some kind where she was going to tour all the South and all these hick, you know, so quote-unquote hick areas of America to show how stupid they are. Uh, and she was just going to have a riot, she was, uh, about, you know, making fun of these silly people. And so she goes about doing this uh, on a bus, I think. And then she discovers something very interesting. These people are kind of nice. And smart. They, and smart. <laughs> and, and these religious folk, especially like, well, you know, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the issues. And, and she, she found that she rather liked them. And I think that kind of like twisted or effed up with her mind a little bit, certainly did not, uh, you know, uh, capture, what is it, didn't run uh, parallel to her expectations, you know shall when, we say. You know when liberals get uh, mugged and they become conservative? Yeah. It's like a version of that. Oh, my God, I can't believe I ran to these nice people. Maybe yeah. I need to be conservative. And then she <laughs> discovers that the kind of the, the people that she's been living with in New York City and otherwise all these urban areas, they're kind of jerks. And they're stupid. And, and, they're, and they're stupid and they're elitist at the same time. A deadly <laughs> combination. Toxic skew combination. It's very toxic. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a big problem. So she, I think she began to see the light in that department. Then you add on this cancel culture for anybody that kind of is just joking around and laughs at society and uses epithets for the purpose of laughing at those people. But it doesn't matter. It's, it, it doesn't matter what your pretext is, what your reasoning for, for using epithets or colorful language, shall we say, uh, that alone, just the use of it, no matter how, in what context, period, uh, you shall be canceled. And so she says, I'm out. I'm done with this. This is ridiculous. And she's left the Democrat Party herself. Now, uh, whether she actually believes still in the progressive uh, mantra, maybe maybe she's secretly joined the conservative party. God, I, we welcome her if she does. 
But nevertheless, I got a feeling that a lot of people are leaving the cancel culture mentality. It's got to change. But here's the question for you. If it's going to change, can it change? Right? That, that is really the ultimate thing. Because my thinking, and, and you hear this all the time, Ari, is something very interesting. My point is that when everyone's saying, oh, the pendulum will always swing back and we'll, have, we'll go back to conservatism and greater free speech and everything else, right? I, I don't think so, Ari. And I'll tell you why. I, I think that so long as we have a godless culture, an increasingly godless culture, more and more people abandoning the notion of God as the central structure of our society, the more we will see of this cancel culture, the more we will see limitations on what we treasure as free speech, the more we will self-censor, the more trepidation we will have. Why is that? Because as you erase God from the civilizational structure, as you do that, there is less and less correlation with freedom. We forget that freedom only comes to us from God. Not just free will, mind you, but the notion of freedom itself, which of course is tied in with, with free speech. I always say that the only, the only real reason to embrace free speech and to love free speech is because it's designed to get us closer to God. Free speech is not about, you know, complaining. I, I want to be able to complain that my, my, the, the yogurt that I got from the store was not good enough. Or, you know, I, I want to be able to complain on Yelp. I want to be able to complain to my, uh, to my government officials about the potholes on the road. road. It's, it, that, no, people are not dying for that. They don't die for that. They die, they die for the right to embrace God, the right to, to seek out God's will. That's why whenever you see in the former Soviet Union and China and otherwise, when people, when people are, are seeking f- true freedom, it's, it's the freedom not to speak up. It's the freedom to congregate and to pray. Have you noticed that? It's never about, I don't like, you know, I, I, why can't I speak about the potholes on, the, on our roads? Never about that. It's about something far more important. But when you don't have God, then... You don't really need all this free speech. The government knows what's what. Let them do everything that's necessary. Look at, at the, the fawning of your liberal friends uh, regarding the NIH and the CDC and, and Fauci. The, and Fauci. The, I mean, the, the, leave it to the experts. Yeah, the, uh, idol, the little two-foot idol Fauci. Yeah. They, they love him. They, they don't question him. We just need to follow the science, which means follow the experts, of course. And this is what these guys say, and this is what we should do. And if you don't do it, you're a bad person, uh, and uh, you shall get no pie. Uh, I, th- that's, that's bizarre to me, that they don't want any controversy. They, they don't want any debate. The notion of debate is, is cause for trepidation. That's what free speech is supposed to be about, but they don't, they don't care about free speech. They never have. So that's why I say that the notion of the pendulum swinging, uh, as the, uh, the, the, the libs and the leftists in particular like to say, that somehow this will, it'll be okay, it'll work back its way. I, I'm not so sure. In fact, I'm quite confident that unless we bring God back into the equation, 
We're not going to see any pendulum. It'll just stay there. And in fact, we won't even think of it as a pendulum where it's gone to one area and now it's kind of hovering in the air waiting to come back with the force of gravity. No, it, it's just simply uh, you know, a car that's moving from point A to point B. And there's no reason for it to come back to point A. We're going headlong toward a cliff. And once you go over the cliff, it's very hard to pull it back up, right? Gravity seems to work in only one way, one direction. That's what I'm worried about. So this culture of trepidation, it's not a good sign. What do we do in response to it? We have to show courage. Courage is the only answer to all of what we're seeing right now. The courage to speak our minds and to say, you know what, I don't care what you think about my opinion about COVID, for example, and the solutions for COVID. I, I don't care that you think that, uh, that my approach to global warming is that it's, uh, it's nonsense. It's a uh, government-imposed mandate designed to control and to advance socialism. I don't care what you think about what I think about the November 2020 election. I, I think that it was, uh, there was a tremendous amount of cheating going around and, and far enough to change the outcome of the election in six different states. In fact, Ari and I think that uh, every one of those uh, battleground states were in fact won by Trump. Big John, bigly. Yeah, bigly, as, uh, as the Democrats accused Trump of saying. He won by a lot, by a lot. <laughs> by a lot. Uh, that's fantastic. And, it's, and that's exactly right. We have to speak our minds. Do not be afraid. In fact, speak up about God. Speak up. And, you know, what I do, as you know, Ari, I, you know, when I leave a, an establishment, I, you know, some, even if we're just picking up food from a restaurant, I'll say, thanks so much. God bless as I leave. I want people to connect with God and, and use that as... Uh, you know, with the same sort of ease and familiarity and, and commonplace usage as they would say, have a good one. All the best. Goodbye. God bless. Why not say that? It can't hurt, right, when you say God bless. Well, hopefully it'll hurt some liberals. Like that. <laughs> it'll blow their mind. It will. But, but here's the problem. Okay, let's say, okay, so you bump into two different, three different kinds of people, right? The kind that think just like you, who are also you know, loving of God and such. And you say, God bless to them. Hey, that's great. God bless. Thank you too. And it gives them a, yeah. a warm, happy, hold on. Uh, and that's great, right? So that's nothing wrong with that. And then you have those people that don't really care one way or the other. It's not a big part of their lives, but they don't get insulted, okay? So, yeah, God, okay, thanks. All right, great. Uh, and then you have the lefties who think that God has no place in, uh, you know, civilized civilization, and therefore uh, they get offended by it, or they might get offended by it. But how can they? I mean, they're stuck, right? You're the customer, right? You're buying their food. Hey, this looks really great. Hey, thanks so much for all your efforts. God bless, right? Well, it, it's a disconnect for them because you're this nice guy saying a really nice thing. God bless is a nice thing, right? How could they be really wounded about that? So, you're showing that you're a good guy. You're an ambassador for God, right? So, so say God bless a lot. Especially if you're a big tipper. That makes it even better. Good point. Yeah, that's right. That, that'll show them, right? <laughs> like, you know, and, and it's very much like the Sarah Silverman thing, right? Where she goes to different communities thinking that she's going to see some yokels, but instead she gets impressed. You know, these people are kind of nice. So now she has a positive view of religious people. And that's what I want all of us to do. 
Okay? Say God bless a lot. You'll be surprised. You're, you're kind of sowing the seeds of goodness everywhere. Anyway, the more important thing is do not be afraid. Do not be trepidatious. Do not fall into this culture of trepidation. That's for the losers. Okay? You are not one of them. You are strong. Fight for God. Fight against godlessness. And fight against this culture of trepidation. All right. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk with you next week.